Two weeks ago, we, 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 we spoke and uh, we talked to you about the fact that your bodies, your soul, your bodies were given to you for one purpose only. And that purpose is to express and to reveal the glory of God through you. That your bodies as human beings have one purpose. And that is to be the instrument by whom and by which God will reveal himself. And whenever God is revealing himself, that is glory. So when we talk about glorifying God, what we're really saying is we're allowing God to be revealed through us. His nature, his goodness, his power. Through us, God is being seen. So every time God is seen through us, in, through our character, uh, through our actions, through our words, every time God is seen and revealed, God is being glorified. Our bodies were given to us for one purpose only. It is to reflect and manifest the glory of God. God wants to use your bodies to reveal himself through you. And we use, we use a passage of scripture to make that point, and I want us to go to that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 through 7. And we read, in Hebrews 10, 5, we read, Therefore, when he came into the world, he, that is Jesus, said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. And why didn't God desire or take pleasure in sacrifice and offerings? Because the sacrifices and the offerings of the Old Testament did not solve the problem that needed to be solved. And what was the problem? Sin. Sin was a barrier that was preventing God from being able to live in man and man and God to live as one. You see, when God created man, he created man in his own image. Why? So that he and man would be able to have constant fellowship and communion, but so that God could be able to, re could be able to reveal himself through man. He created man the way he did, so in his image, so that his image would be seen through man. He, he created all the other animals. He gave them bodies. He gave them souls. Animals have souls. They can think. They can feel. They, they have souls. They have a will. But what they don't have is a spirit. So God created man with a body. He gave man a soul like he did for all the other animals. But he took one step further, and he made man, and then he breathed into man, and, and his spirit came into man. So God gave man a spirit. Man actually became a human spirit that was living in a body that had a soul, the ability to feel, to think, and to will. God created man in the way he did so that man would be a suitable vessel for he, God, to also live in man. Because you see, God, God, God's purpose for your bodies was not that you alone would live in it. He created you the way he did so that both you and he your spirit and his spirit can co-inhabit this one body and work together through the soul and through this body to reveal and manifest God to, 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 to creation. That was always intent. So man was created in such a way in the image of God to be able to host both his spirit and God's spirit. And God and you, spirit and spirit, would commune and fellowship. And God and you together will be able to exercise control through your mind, your intellect, through your heart or your emotions, and through your will, God will be able to work through your soul to control your body so that your behavior then will bring glory and honor to him. So the words you speak will reveal him. Uh, the things you do will be revelation of who he is. You and God, as intended, made in the image of God, you and God were going to enjoy eternal fellowship and communion in one body. And God was going to live his life through you and you were going to live your life totally dependent upon God. That was the way God designed it to work. 
Hallelujah. Now, so we see here that when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but what? A body you have prepared for me. Because of sin, God's spirit departed. God could not live in a body that was under the condemnation of sin. And so when Adam sinned, the spirit of God that co-inhabited the body of Adam departed. And God said to Adam, he warned Adam, he said, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And what God was talking about, when you choose independence, because that's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. You know, the devil said to Adam, you will be as God. You yourself will be able to determine right or wrong. In other words, Adam, you don't have to live a life of dependence upon God. You can actually choose to live independent of God. Now, God had warned Adam. He said, Adam, the day you choose to eat of the tree of knowledge and evil, in other words, the day you choose to live, you choose to live independent of me, you will die. Why? Because when that happens, since you no longer want to depend upon me, I'm going to leave. And I'm going to let you live independent of me, if that's your choice. I'm going to leave. I won't be able to continue to live in you since you're choosing to live. I'm going to leave. And when I leave, you are going to die. Because you were not created to live independent of me. The way I created you in my image, in order to live the life that I have designed for you as a man to live, you have to live in dependence on my spirit. We have to live together. But when you choose to do your own thing, I'm going to leave. When I leave, you're going to die. Now, it doesn't mean that Adam will cease to exist. You and I, if, we haven't, if it hasn't happened to us, we know someone that probably has happened to. Someone's driving their car and maybe to stop at the traffic light and the thing just dies. And you hear them say, man, the car just died on me. Well, it didn't mean the car ceased to exist. The car was still a car, but it has stopped functioning the way a car was designed to function. It has stopped doing what it was supposed to do. So you say it died on me because it lost its ability. It was no longer functioning the way it was created to function. And so when God said to Adam, you're going to die, he doesn't mean you're going to cease to exist. I mean, when my spirit leaves, you're going to cease to be able to, to live as a man was designed to live. You're going to stop functioning as man was designed to function. You're going to lose your ability to, to manifest my image. You're going to lose the ability to bring glory to me. You will no longer be able to function the way you were designed to function. Are you hearing me? So man, without the Spirit of God in him, is not functioning the way he was designed and intended to function. It's like a car that doesn't have any fuel in it. It's still a car, but it's not a car functioning as a car is supposed to. Something essential is missing. And so when a man is separated from the Spirit of God or the Spirit of God is not inhabiting the spirit of a man, that man still exists, but he's no longer functioning, living as a man should be living or was designed to live. I, I, am I, are you following me? So any man or woman in whom the Spirit does not live is still a man, but is a man not living as God created man to live. The life he's living is substandard. It's not what God designed. He's living and he has an animal-like existence because just like the dog has a body and the dog has a soul, there's, a, there's, there's the principle of this physical life that exists. And so we can live physically without God in our spirit. But we cannot live spiritually without God in our spirit. And if we're not living spiritually, we are not living as human beings were intended to live. Because we were intended to live in order that we might be what the image or the expression of God in the earth. Without the spirit of God in you, it cannot happen. So when Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and chose independence, and Adam fell, what did he fall from? He fell from the image of God. What did he forfeit? The image of God. What did he lose? The image of God. He was no longer able to be an instrument, a vessel 
through whom God would be revealed perfectly because the Spirit of God no longer lived in him. And that is the problem that Jesus came to solve. Because when God created man, he created man that God, man would be what? In his image. So that man's body would be the instrument by whom and through whom God would be able to express himself fully. Adam fell from that. He lost that image. God didn't give up on the plan. Jesus came to restore the image that was lost to us. He came to make it possible for the Spirit of God to once again re-inhabit our spirits and be able to access our soul. That is our mind and will and emotion so that he can govern our behavior and use our bodies as his instruments. Say thank God for Jesus. And so God says, your sacrifices and offerings, I do not delight in because what? They don't solve the sin problem. They don't remove sin out of the way. And they don't make it possible for the spirit of God or for God to come back and live in us so that we can once again be the image of God. But Jesus then says to the Father, Go ahead and prepare me a body. Amen. And what did the father do? He prepared a body for the son of God to come to solve this problem of sin so that man once again can be in the image of God. He prepared a what? A body, Jesus says, for me. And then Jesus says, I have come. How did he come? He came in the body of a man called Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the body of Jesus of Nazareth that lived 2,000 years ago was the body that God prepared. That was the original body, human body, that had a soul. God prepared that body for the Son of God to be able to live in that body in order to offer the perfect sacrifice that will remove sin out of the way of God, making sin no longer a barrier so that God can come now and live in us. Yeah. In the volume of the book, it is written of me, or was, this was a plan. Go to Isaiah 53, and Isaiah, he was wounded. You don't have to turn there. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised by iniquity, the chastisement of our peace. It's written that he was going to come and he was going to die. He needed a body to do that. God created a body born of a virgin so that it didn't have the sin nature that the Son of God, the Spirit of the Son, could live in and could work through. So the Son of God was able to live in the body of Jesus of Nazareth, access the soul, the mind of Jesus of Nazareth, the body, instructed, access the heart, the affections of Jesus of Nazareth, ignite it with the love of God, inspire it, amen? Access the will of Jesus of Nazareth, amen? Fill it with his desires and work through the body of Jesus of Nazareth to do God's will and to reveal God. And Jesus of Nazareth so perfectly surrendered and, 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 and yielded to the Son in him, or to the Father in him, I, I should say, that Jesus of Nazareth, the man, could say, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. When Jesus of Nazareth walked on this earth, we know he, the Son of God was always God. But when he walked on this earth, living in the body of Jesus of Nazareth, he never once did anything, hear me, using his divine prerogatives, he functioned and purposefully limited himself, always acting as though he was a man. He never acted as though he was more than a man. He provides for us the perfect example of what God intended for every one of us. When you see Jesus of Nazareth, you've seen the Father. And when you see Jesus of Nazareth, you see yourself as God intended us to be. That's why he's called Son of God and Son of Man. He's Son of God, but he's Son of Man. You see him, you see the Father, because as Jesus of Nazareth, he was so completely yielded to the Father the Father could work so perfectly through his mind, through his emotions, and through his will. Therefore, the Father could govern his behavior so that everything he said and did, he said, it's the Father in me who's doing the works. When you see Jesus of Nazareth, you see man created in the image of God functioning as he was created. 
Jesus is true man. Jesus is, Jesus of Nazareth is as man was created to be. Jesus of Nazareth is as Adam was until Adam chose independence and fell. And we all now came, come into this world having fallen from the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. You're falling from that image that reveals God perfectly. But in Jesus of Nazareth, we see God and we see man made in the image of God. Functioning as he was supposed to function. Where God is living on the, and the Father is living on the inside of him and is able to work perfectly through his soul and through his body to reveal himself. That is what you are predestined to be. Amen? All things work together for those who are, love God who are called according to his purpose and all those he called according to his purpose are predestined to be what? Conformed to his image. We lost the image because of sin. Jesus Christ came in order to restore the image. And the process now that we're all involved in is a process in which we're being transformed from glory to glory. The image of God being more and more fully revealed in us. And that is spiritual growth. My growth consists of my transformation from glory to glory where more and more Christ is being seen in me. And the day must come and we must cooperate with this process. Let this day come when we can say authentically to anyone who asks you to show them the sun, you can say, when you see me, you've seen the sun. When you hear me, you heard the son. Why? Because the son is expressing himself perfectly through me because I have yielded and surrendered my soul and my body to him. So that's why when you get in Romans chapter 12, you hear these words. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, and then be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can do what? Prove in your experience, actually walk in experience, the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God being done through you. Okay, I got a few amens. I hope it's clear. If it's not clear, we'll go back and start all over. We'll rewind the tape. Amen? So, 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 so when, when you get to Philippians chapter 3 and Paul says that this is the thing I'm going after. This one thing I do, he says I'm going after the high calling for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What was Paul going after? He wasn't going after heaven. A lot of people think, well, I'm doing my best to live my life because I'm trying to make heaven. No, no, you got heaven when you got saved. Heaven's already yours. You don't have to work for it, strive for it. It's yours. You're on your way to heaven if you're in Christ. Heaven is already yours. You don't have to work for it. Amen? No. When Paul said, I'm pressing in for the cries of the high calling of God, what was this high calling? Well, we read in Romans chapter 8, you, you're called to be conformed to the image of Christ. He was pressing in, striving after this one thing he was doing. Amen? Going after his conformity to Christ in all things. What he was striving after was to be more yielded in his soul, more yielded in his body, so that Christ would have full control in his life and the image of God would be seen perfectly through him. Brothers and sisters, that's the high calling that each of us has. Now that we're in Christ, the prize, the high calling, is to so present our members to him, so yield our souls to him, so yield our bodies to him, that he can truly live his life so perfectly through us that we are conformed to his image. Amen? And we're no longer falling short of the glory. We are as walking in the glory because he is being revealed perfectly through us. Are you hearing me? So, going back to Hebrews 10, God gave Jesus a body. And what did Jesus say? 
say about that? In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. What's the next verse? So the body of Jesus was giving to him to do what? God's will. Jesus said, Lord, I have come to do your will. The body of Christ, Jesus in Nazareth, was given to him to do God's will. Your body, my body, was given to us for this purpose, to do God's will. We talked about the volume of the book. And in the volume of the book concerning Jesus of Nazareth, it was written what God's will was for him. And I said to you, in the volume of the book, there is a will that God has for you. Just like it was written concerning Jesus of Nazareth, what he was doing, in the volume of God's book, there is a specific will that God has for you. And he gave you the body and the soul you have so that he can work through you to fulfill that will. What then should be your response? Your response should be, here I am. I have come so that you can do your will through me. Every morning, I'm alive today so that you can do your will through me. I go to work, I'm at work today so you can do your will through me. I'm in this family so that you can do your will through me. I'm in this church so that you can do your will through me. That is the purpose for my life. And what is God's will? It is that he will work through you to reveal himself in some measure, in some specific way to the world. Now, this is why you ought not to lie. You know why lying is wrong? Lying is wrong because if your purpose is to manifest God and reveal God, when you lie, you are presenting a false image of who God is. God doesn't lie. Your body, your soul is meant to reveal and express God so that when people see you, they come to know God. And if you lie, does God lie? So you are presenting a false image of God. That's why you should never allow your body, your mouth, your mind to be used to speak lies. Because you are distorting the image of God. You were not created for that. This is why you shouldn't commit adultery and fornication. Because God, God is faithful. He keeps covenant. He does not make a promise and then breaks it. He keeps covenant. And so if the image of God is being revealed through us and we're living according to, to that image and we're fulfilling that purpose and we're following after the high calling, which is to be conformed to him, then guess what? I don't, I don't commit fornication or adultery. Why? Because God doesn't do that. God is a covenant keeper. God is straightforward. When God says something, he, he, you, can, you can count on it. So I am to be an instrument for God to reveal how true he is how faithful he is. That's why you don't commit murder. You don't kill. Why? God doesn't kill. He gives life. I have come that you may have life. God is in the life-giving business. So we don't take life. We don't kill because that does not reveal the image of God. Are you hearing me? Amen. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Just like Jesus of Nazareth was used for one purpose only to do God's will. And just like the Son of God inhabited the body of Jesus of Nazareth for that purpose. So you and I have been chosen this day for the Son of God to inhabit us and work through us in the same way he worked through the body of Jesus of Nazareth. Let me, let me say it a little bit differently. The body that God gave to the Son of God 2,000 years ago was the body of Jesus of Nazareth. And that body was used exclusively to reveal the Son or to reveal the Father. And he revealed the Father so perfectly that it could be said by him, if you see me, you see the Father. Now, today, 2021, God the Father has presented the Son with another body. It's not the body of Jesus of Nazareth. It's the body corporate called the church. The church is the current body 
that God the Father has provided the Son to inhabit. And now the Son inhabits the church, just like he inhabited the body of Jesus of Nazareth, for one purpose, to do the will of God. He inhabits the church so that he can work through the body called the church to do the will of the Father, which is to reveal the Father to creation. So creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because the purpose is, we who are the sons of God in the church are the ones by whom creation will see God in his fullness. So, listen to me, the Son of God is still alive on the earth, but now he's living in this body called the church. For the same purpose, and what does he want to do? He wants to do now through the church, live the same life he lived then in Jesus of Nazareth, now through the church. Let me repeat that. What is God wanting to do? And what is God doing? He has given the Son a new body to live his life through. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what does Jesus want to do? He wants to do now through this new body what he did then through the body of Jesus of Nazareth. That's why he said to his disciples, the works I do, you will do also. And even greater works than these you would do because I'm going to the Father. Well, when I go to the Father, I'm going to obtain righteousness for you and I'm going to do what? Come back. In John 14, he says, now I'm living with you, but when I return, I'm going to be living in you. You are going to become my body. I'm going to live in you. I'm going to inhabit you. And then through you, I'm going to do the same works I did through, you see me doing in this physical body I'm in, I'm going to come back and inhabit this corporate body called the church, my new body, and I'm going to do the same works through you in this body that I did through the body of Jesus of Nazareth. I'm going to love in this body the same way I loved in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. I'm going to serve in this body the same way I served in the body of Jesus. I'm going to obey the Father in this body the same way I obeyed the Father in that body. I'm going to work miracles through this body the same way I did through that body. I'm going to do the same works and even greater works. There's some things I'm reserving to do through the body called the church that I haven't done through Jesus of Nazareth. Say Jesus is the same yesterday, today. He's the same. The only difference is he has a different body to work through. I said the Son of God is the same Son of God that lived and worked in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. He's the same Son of God with all of the qualities, characters, power, wisdom. Same. Nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is he is living in a different body. Amen? Now, the body of Jesus of Nazareth was totally yielded to him so he could work perfectly through him. The problem, the challenge is this body that he has is not always as surrendered to him as it needs to be. And that's where spiritual growth is important. That's where knowledge and revelation is important. Do you hear me? So the body now that the Son of God lives in is called the church. But guess what? Each of you are individually members of that body. Hmm? So the Bible says in the book of Acts, when people are getting saved, the Bible says they were being added to the Lord. Oh, my goodness. They were being added to the Lord. They were being added to his body. So when you got saved, you were, you were made a part of his body. When I got saved, I was made a part. You got saved, you were made a part. So all of us now have been added to the body. So we individually are members of the body. And he now is working through me as a member of that body. Christ is revealing himself through me in a particular way. Right now, he's, he's revealing himself through me as a preacher. I've got my function, and he has chosen me in a volume of the book that's written that I'm going to use this piece of my body called Darlington Johnson to perform this function. Just like I'm using the liver for this, and the kidney for that, and the eyes for that. Darlington Johnson, I'm putting you in my body, I'm placing you here, and I'm going to function through you in this way. 
And if you make your soul and your body available to me perfectly, I will express myself perfectly through you in this way. And through you, Jim, in this way. Amen. You didn't die because he's not through expressing himself through you. If we're alive today, it's because he has a function and a purpose for each of us that he wants to express through us. Are you all with me? Hallelujah. So now that you know, your bodies was created for his image as an instrument for him to work through. For that to happen, for him to be able to work through your body and govern your behavior, he has to have access to your mind, your soul. So you got to give him permission to instruct your mind. You got to give him access to your emotions. Give him permission to ignite your heart with his love and love for people and compassion. And may he needs to influence your will. Give him permission to, to fill your will with his desires so that you're desiring the same things that he's desiring. And there's a promise. God is at work in you both to will and to do his pleasure. Present your will to him that he might fill it with his desires. Present your heart that he might fill it and flood it with his affections. Present your, your mind that he might inform it and instruct it. Fill it with his thoughts. And as he fills your mind with his thoughts and flood your hearts with his emotions and influences your will, he then can govern your behavior. And then when people see you or hear you, they're actually seeing him and hearing him because he's actually working through you. And you and him are, for all practical purposes, one. Now, as I was sharing these things last time, I understand some people felt, well, wait a minute. It seems like God wants us to be robots. It seems like, like, like we're supposed to be robots. Then why did God give us free will if the only thing we're supposed to do with our will is do his will? And so, are we supposed to be robots? No. No, you always have a choice. Robots don't have a choice. A robot is programmed to do something and it can't say no or yes. You and I can always say no and always say yes to God's will. We can always say, God, I don't want you to live your life through me. I don't want you to instruct my mind. I just want to think my own thoughts and do my own thing. You're always free to do that. I don't want you to flood my heart with love for that person. I want to hate them. I want to continue to be bitter and angry towards them. I don't want you to flood my heart with your love. I've already made up my mind what I'm going to do in my life, and I don't want you to influence my will. This is what I want to be. Now you can come and bless me. You can come and help me do it, but I'm not going to change my mind. This is what I go on. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to marry that unbeliever. I don't care what you say. Now you can come and help me make the marriage work, but don't influence. You always have choice. So we can always present our members to him so he can work and manifest his image through us, or we can choose not to. So you're not robots. You're always free to choose. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. That's God saying, choose life. Choose life that you might live. But he never takes away from you the right to refuse to choose life. You can always choose death. You can always choose the flesh. You don't have to choose the spirit. And there's a way that seems right unto the man, but it leads to destruction. But you're always free to choose it. That's why people will go to hell. Not because that's why God, because God refuses to make you a robot. God refuses to take away from you your free will. What God does is present you options and then say, if I were you, I would do this. Adam, don't eat of this tree. The day you eat of it, you will die. You will cease to be man as you were created to be. You're going to fall from glory. You're no longer going to be my, able to manifest my image. Don't eat this. But Adam had a choice, and he chose to do it. God always gives you freedom. Why does God give you freedom? Why does God refuse to make you a robot? It's because God loves you, and because God is love. God is love. God loves you. God created you in his image. He loves you. God created you for fellowship and communion with him. He loves you. God created you to reflect. He wants to share his life, his nature, all that he is with you. 
Because at the end of the day, that is what it's, what, what it's about. Being his image means he's sharing everything he is and has with you. Amen? He loves you. And here is, this is, this is, a, this is an essential, non-negotiable characteristic or quality of love. When you love someone, or the more you love someone, the more freedom you give them. You don't make a person a slave, but you love them. Secondly, love always desires to be loved back. The more Kimmy loves you, I mean, you guys always in my sermons, I guess, because you sit here. Amen. The more Kemi loves Yemi, even unconditionally, the more Kemi wants Yemi to love her back. But he wants, she wants that love to be non-forced, free. It must not be compelled. If Kemi got to tell Yemi, you need to buy me a gift, and he goes and buys a gift, she's not going to receive that as love. Because if he was forced to. Do you understand? So, Yes, I love my wife, and I pray I love her unconditionally. But the more you love someone, the one thing you want is for the person you love to love you back. But love, but love to be loved, it has to be free. It cannot be compelled. It cannot be forced. It has to be freely given. Once it's compelled or forced and there's no freedom, it cannot be love. So God will never make you a robot. He loves you, and because he loves you, he got to make you free. He wants you to love him back, but for you to be able to love him back, you have to be able to not love him. Are you here? Amen. So God doesn't take away free will. What God does is he gives you the options. He says, listen, you're always free to do what you want. If you want to live your life independent of me, you can do that. I'm not going to stop you, but just understand that you were not created to live independent of me. I didn't form you that way. And if you do that, it's going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead to death. But you're free to go there. I would much rather you live the way I designed you to live for the purpose of which I would love for you to live in total dependence upon me and give me full access to your spirit, your soul, and your body so that together we can live in this one body and live as you were designed to live. And that path will lead to life, fulfillment, and joy. He gives you a choice. You have to choose. You can choose him, or you can choose you. You have an option. But why would you choose you when you can have him? Why would you eat at the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil and try to live independently when you have the privilege of having God himself, the son of God himself, living his life in you, for you, as you, through you, with you. When you can do life with Jesus every day and Jesus can do life with you every day. And you can become the instrument for the manifestation and the expression of God through you. My goodness, why would you choose a lower level of existence over this glorious existence where you can be the image of God, sharing life with God, God sharing his life with you every single day. Day, God living through you, God sharing his wisdom with you, his power with you, his love with you, his presence with you. God causing you to live as God lives. Why would you choose something less? Yet many people do. Many people do. Most people do. That's why people are not saved. And that's why so many who are saved live the way they do. Because even though they are saved and now the life of Christ is in them, they still choose their own independent way. They refuse to live dependent upon he who is in them. They refuse to present their soul and their bodies to him that he might work through them. Why? They are deceived. And who, have they, who, who has deceived them? The devil. The same devil that deceived Adam has deceived us. Because if you think that you can live as man is intended to live, let me use the term, your best life. If you think you can live your best life, or even better than the life you could live if God was living in you? If you think living independently will allow you to live a better life than living dependent upon God, and therefore you eat of the tree of good and of the knowledge of good and evil because you want to be independent, you have been deceived. That's the endemic deception. That is the satanic deception. 
It's a lie, but it's a big lie that so many continue to believe. And if you're struggling right now with giving your life and letting Christ live through you, that's why you have been lied to. You have been deceived. You have been made to believe that somehow living independently of God, making your own decisions and running your own life, is actually a better life. You think you can be more human that way, but you can't because God didn't design it for that to happen. If you choose to live independently of God, that pathway leads to destruction. It leads to death every time. You say, why is that the case? Well, that's the nature of things. That's how God created you. The car needs to have fuel to run. That says it. So if it, if it uh, if, uh, well, they got, they got the other kind of car now. What do you call it? What's it called? Tesla. So we're not talking about Tesla now. Amen? But the car you, most of you drive has to have fuel. That's how it was, it was designed. That's how it is. So you don't, if, it, if, you, if you don't have enough fuel in it and it stops running, you don't say, why? It was designed that way. And if you allow the fuel to be in it, it will work perfectly. But if you let it be empty of fuel, you can't complain when it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. It wasn't created for that. You were created to be the image of God, for the Spirit of God to live in and through you. And the day you decide that you don't want the Spirit of God to live on the inside of you, guess what? You are not going to function the way you're supposed to function. That will lead to destruction. Amen? Fishes live well, but they got to be in water. That's just the way they were created. Out of water, they'll die. Human beings, you live well, but you need oxygen. Without oxygen, you'll die. Don't say, why? That's how you're created. We need to be connected to God. God, by his spirit, needs to be living inside of us. The son of God needs to be cohabiting us. He needs to be living in this body. We need to be fellowshipping and communing with him. We need to be yielding our members to him. That's how we're designed to function. And if you don't function that way, your pathway will be one of death and destruction. That's just the way it is. But why choose that option when you got much a much superior, higher option that you can choose. You can literally choose the Son of God to live inside of you and to live through you every day. You can actually choose to be conformed to his image more and more. Wow. You have the freedom, but use your freedom to choose wisely. Choose Christ. Choose the life of the Son. Let him live his life through you. Present your members to him daily so he can express himself through you. I hear me? Let him manifest his divinity through your humanity. That's, that's why you're here. That's why you're a human being. So that divinity can manifest through humanity. So present your humanity to him. Your weaknesses, your strengths, present your humanity to him. And say, Lord, Son of God, I present my humanity that this day you might manifest your divinity through me. Just keep yielding every day. Keep presenting yourself. He has solved the sin problem. He's taken it out of the way as a barrier so God can live in you even though you're not perfect. So keep presenting even your imperfect self to him that he might be able to work more and more through you to reveal himself. Present your mind to him every day and say, instruct this mind. Present your heart every day and say, Lord, flood it with your affections. Present your will every day and say, Lord, God, this will. Influence it. Because what I want more than anything is to manifest your image and to reveal your glory on the earth. Do I still have time or have I run out of time? I'm out of time. All right, please. Uh, listen to this sermon, but listen to the one from the last, last service as well. Because I, I, I approach it a little bit differently, so listen to the last. It's going to be, it's going to be available to you on, on, your, on the uh, website, YouTube, etc. But listen to this message. Listen to it 100 times until you really get it. Are you hearing me? Because when you get it, you will find yourself more and more yielded to him. You hear me, and you find him manifesting himself more and more through you. Let me just end with this because I think it's important. Okay? So Christ has come into you. Your purpose 
is simply this. The Son of God is to live his life through you. And you are to present your members to him. You are to allow him to do it. Your part is to allow him to do it. Now, what does it take to allow him to do it? Well, it takes, it takes a certain disposition. And that disposition is what we call faith. Faith is simply a disposition of dependence upon him. Faith is a disposition of saying, I'm not going to put confidence in my flesh. I'm just going to depend upon him in all things to be God in me, to be the son of God in me, to live his life through me. I am going to depend upon him for that. You know, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So faith says, I can do nothing. The Bible says, we are the true circumcision who puts no confidence in the flesh. So faith says, I put no confidence in my flesh. Well, if I put no confidence in my flesh, then what am I going to do with my confidence? I'm going to put all my confidence in him. So how do I allow him to live his life through me? I make the decision. My disposition is going to be in everything I'm going to look to him in me to live his life through me. And I'm going to just depend upon him always. I'm not going to go by feelings. I'm going to depend upon him. I'm going to believe that he's living his life in and through me. Always. Amen? On one occasion, but can, I, can I take a, I cannot, because I want to complete the message. Is it okay? Are you all tired already? I don't want to, can I take 10 minutes? Okay. It's, it's important. All right. So, so, faith is a disposition that says depend. I, I put no confidence in myself. I'm going to depend completely upon him. That's how Jesus of Nazareth lived. Remember he said, the works that I do, I don't do it myself. The father in me, he's doing the works. He was totally dependent upon his father. He was walking by faith. Our disposition should be the same way that Jesus was to the father. We ought to be to the son. Totally dependent upon him. That is what the Bible means when it says the just shall live by faith. You will live by totally depending upon him. And because you're totally depending upon him, you are surrendering everything to him. A person who is totally dependent upon God would surrender everything to God. So you're constantly surrendering your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your decisions. You're always surrendering it to him for him to work through because you're depending upon him. Are you hearing me? And that disposition of dependence allows him to work through you. That's what's called faith. Faith does not change Jesus. Faith does not change God. Faith does not give Jesus ability that he didn't have. Faith does not give Jesus a will that he didn't have before. He's already able to live his life in and through you. He's already able to manifest himself through you. He already wants to do that. You don't have to change anything about Jesus. What faith does is it puts you in the position for him to be in you and do through you what he's in you to do. That's all. So here's the illustration and I'm done. Uh, airplane. Have I talked about it here? Did I use the airplane, airplane illustration? No, I haven't done the airplane illustration. Okay. So you, 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 you have an airplane. All of us have been in an airplane. We got from Africa here or from Europe here or from, from one state to another state. I've been to Africa. I've been to Europe. I've been places. I've never tried to swim from here to Africa, from here to Europe. Why? Because I can't do it. I'm not going to try to do something I cannot do. Because if I try to do something I cannot do, I'll end up dying doing it. So I've never done it because I know I can't. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot live this life apart from him. Don't even try. Don't even try. You're wasting your time. And every time you're trying, you're wasting your time. And you keep on doing it, you end up dying, trying to do what you can't do. And that's why a lot of people drop out of Christianity. And they say, I can't live that life. And they go back because they're trying to do the stuff in their own strength. You can't be done. So start off by saying, you know what? This life is impossible. I can't live it. Therefore, what am I going to do? Put no confidence in my flesh. I am instead going to depend totally upon the one who can. And what I need to do is to position myself so he can do it. So the airplane, I, I don't swim. You know how I get from here to Africa, from here to Europe? I discovered, <clears throat> excuse me, there's this invention called an airplane. It has powerful engines, wings, skilled pilots. The thing can fly. It can suspend the law of gravity, and it can fly for hours and get me. So you know what I did? 
I put my faith in the airplane. I purchased some tickets. I got in the plane. I sat down in the seat. I put the seatbelt on. And then I did nothing else. My faith didn't change the airplane one bit. My faith didn't give the airplane ability. My faith didn't give the pilots a willingness. All I had to do was have enough faith to sit in the airplane and let the airplane do what the airplane can do for me. And when I had enough faith to depend upon the airplane, upon the pilots, guess what? Six hours later, I was in Europe. And I didn't die. I lived. Are you hearing me? So this is what it means. All we got to do is place ourselves in the position for Christ to live his life through us. You don't have to change him. You don't need to use your faith to make him willing. He's willing. You don't have to use your faith to give him power. He got all the power he needs. You don't have to use your faith to change anything about God. You just need to use the faith to put yourself in a place of total dependence upon him and surrender to him so that now you free him to do for you what he's been wanting to do, what he's in you to do. And that is to conform you to his image. Father, take this word by your spirit. Let it come alive we pray in Jesus' name, amen, and amen. Say hallelujah in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you don't have the Son of God living on the inside of you, let me tell you this. Salvation is not about getting you to heaven. Yeah, we are going to heaven, but salvation is about getting the Son of God back into you so that the image of Christ can be formed in you so that you and God can live together now. Wow, don't refuse that. Don't resist that. That's the best decision you can make, man. Let Christ come inside of you and spend the rest of your life fellowship and communion with him. Give him access to your mind. Let him, re- let him instruct it. Give him access to your heart. Let him flood it with his emotions, his love, man. Just yield to him. Let him live his life through you. Amen. And when you mess up, just say, Lord, I just messed up. But you know what? I'm committed to this because you're committed to it. Let's keep going. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.